Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, a show where we talk to experts who've taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have sailed around the world to those who've started thriving businesses and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. This is episode 24 with November Project Mastermind, Brogan Graham. This episode was brought to you by Toad & Co. Formerly called Horny Toad out of Central California, this great outdoor clothing company makes 90% of their products using eco-friendly materials, whether it's organic, plant-based, or recycled fabrics. They also have a program called Design for Good, which totally kicks ass. They take a portion of every single item they sell and put it towards exposing people with disabilities to life-changing trips in the outdoors. Their mission also aligns perfectly with having a wild idea worth living. They're all about inspiring people to live their fullest lives, and they're rabid supporters of following your passions and refusing to settle. They also have a great tagline, which is keep good company, exactly why I started Wild Ideas Worth Living. You can check out all of their amazing products, their mission, and the ambassadors of all abilities they work with at toadandco.com. The November Project has been described as a type of fight club, but with hugging. It's a free fitness movement that's gained a ton of momentum. It's also the brainchild of Brogan Graham, a former collegiate rower and rowing coach turned marketer who needed a good excuse to work out and train in the freezing winter months in Boston with his buddy. What started with just two guys doing stairs at Harvard Stadium, then doing other tough workouts, turned into a group of guys doing workouts, then dozens of athletes showing up to do workouts, then hundreds of people showing up. Today, there are now thousands who show up at over 37 cities around the world for free group workouts for all abilities that release a ton of positivity for you to carry throughout your day. I met Brogan because a bunch of different people kept coming up to me saying, hey, you got to have this guy, Brogan Graham, on your podcast. He lives in San Diego. Eventually, I showed up at a November project workout at 6.29 a.m. and I had a great experience. Brogan's about six foot four. He's got a huge personality and a giant heart. He's given talks in front of thousands of people at Facebook and other big corporation, and he was totally down to do my podcast the way I've always wanted to do the podcast when I started this baby. The idea is that first we'd go surfing, then we'd come home to eat my favorite food group, chips, guacamole, and salsa, have a beverage, and let loose. So this is how we did this show, and I guarantee you it's one of the best podcasts we've done yet. Enjoy. All right. Pocket. (laughs) All right. Wait, stop. I'm talking. All right. So today we have... This is going to be a disaster, by the way. (laughs) Okay. So today we have Brogan Graham on the show. Brogan, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. Greetings, and thank you for having me to your home. So Brogan has this. this amazing haircut right now. He's got his hair mostly shaved, except for one spot in the middle of his head. It's called the sensei. It's called the sensei. And we, al- we also just went surfing. So this is, this is actually how I wanted to do all of my podcasts. We go surf, surf. first, and we have guacamole, chips, and beer, and we podcast. Right. In this case, we did surf, beer, <laughs> A very unsuccessful Instagram live. And, We're Instagramming and the, live and, right now. Oh, we have one follower. And the 
uh, chips and guacamole are coming. So it's like, it's kind of going to, it's a rolling, it's going to be a rollout. So Ravello Metal is our Instagram follower. Thank you so much. Hopefully he listens to this live podcast. So Brogan, for those who do not know who you are, which is crazy because everyone should know who you are, (laughs) you get three minutes and I'm going to start the timer. How did you get the wild idea to start the November project? What is the November project? Who are you? How big is it? Where is the November project? All right, cool. Actually, I'm going to give you four minutes because it's so good. Okay, ready? Go. Go. In October, not November, October 2011, my college teammate, Boyan Mandrick, and I were standing in the basement of a bar on Boylston Street in downtown Boston, uh, and that bar is called The Poor House. And we were talking about how the winter was coming, and it's hard to get out and train and those kinds of things, and we were drinking beers. We decided to, uh, almost like a bet take on the month of November, working out every day before we went to work, rain or shine. We were rowers in college, and so kind of dealing with the elements is part of what we do. So we took on that month, but we were such data nerds because we were rower guys that we had to keep a spreadsheet with all the the weather and the mileage and the, all wow. that. So, right, so we could add to it and kind of talk trash to each other with real, you know, cells. And so we called that spreadsheet November Project, and um, it was just a one-month thing. We were maybe going to become morning people. We would maybe get a little fitter, but we would definitely get to see each other. And the closer you are to 30 than 20, you get busy on the weekends. And the word busy gets brought up a lot more than before. And so um, it was a wild idea that was just about 30 days, just that month of November. Or there's 31. How many days are in 30? How many days are in uh, November? Pop quiz. Any of our Instagram followers? I think How many 30. days? Okay. So 30 days. And. What we had thought might become a pattern that would take us through the winter kind of as like a positive byproduct, but not the goal. The goal was just one month. So one month turned into the entire winter, and Boyan and I just continued training outside, running up and down stairs. A lot of the land workouts that we learned when we were rowing at Northeastern. Um, And in the spring of 2012, we started using social media and a blog to talk about this November project as if we were hosting workouts, which was total baloney. And... Boyne had coached at Syracuse, which is the Division One rowing program, and I'd coached at Northeastern. And so we were used to hosting a space and being able to speak to athletes and say, all right, quiet down. The workout today is X, Y, Z. So it was like somewhat legit, even though we were total con artists. And that spring, summer, and fall, we grew this Boston group, which we call a tribe, from the two of us until 300 people training at the Harvard Stadium. And so... Wait, wait, wait. How fast did you go to 300? So it was probably, I think, uh, March, April, May, April. I should do my own history homework here, but I think it was like around April, we had the first person show up. Her name's Sarah Wild. She's super fast. We did the workout, just the three of us. And the word spread. We started tapping some of our old teammates and bringing your friends, and it was it was a lot of really serious athletes at first. And... Um, then there was a lot of help on social media and a lot of people with a pretty good following here and there that made it awesome. And so, yeah, so that was a Boston story. Um, what really was crazy was then that very next January in 2013, it turned into a movement when uh, people that we were either related to or had gone to college with or even were a part of the November Project in Boston wanted to start their own tribe in different cities. And that was when it went from being this weird subculture training fight club thing to a true movement. And at the end of 2013, we were actually in seven cities and it just kept growing from there. Um, as we sit here today in 2017, May 2nd, uh, we are in 36 cities around the world. 
the sun rises. Actually, the workout's long over in Hong Kong as they pass the sunrise to the four tribes in Europe um, and on to the rest of the tribes here in North America. So it's challenging the way people think that they have to reach for their wallet to get fit because all the workouts are free. Uh, the only things that we demand are that you show up on time, that you're kind, and that you work your butt off. So it's for all ages, shapes, and sizes. Yes, your grandmother can come and just walk the workout, but she's going to walk her ass off. You know what I mean? And so we expect that people will be outwardly supportive to one another, and it creates this really cool community. You know, th this day and age, people want to take the word community and spread it thin and put a nice layer of community on everything, whether you're a bank, whether you're a brand, whether you're a, a surf gang. You want the word community. And I think that if anyone who's listening ever does show up to November Project, you get a very true dose of what it all means. And um, yeah, that's so that's what November Project started as, grew to, and, and if you ever get there at 629 in any of these 36 tribes around the world, you'll meet a lot of really upbeat people that seem to know each other, but they're really just kind of vibing off of one, one another and having a great time before they bust their butt for an hour. Wow, so wait, I have a few questions. 6.29 a.m. every city? Well, yeah, so we, yeah, I act like it's 6.29 in every city because it's like it shortens the conversation, but some are 6.15, some are 6, some are, say, <laughs> some are, <laughs> but... <laughs> But like, who cares? Like, I mean, six, six twenty-nine. I love it. The real answer is they're different based on those cities, those cities' tribes and their commuting patterns, the availability of the leaders who created each tribe. Blah 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 blah. For example, in Edmonton, a lot of those folks come from outside of the city, up in Alberta, drive into the city to do the workout, drive back out of the city to go shower and eat their frosted mini wheats, and then go back in the city. So based on that back and forth nonsense, yeah they go a little bit earlier than 629. So one more question. Well, what? no, this is a podcast. Well, you have like a thousand there's a more, million more That's what we're doing but, here. But just about November Project, yeah. Yeah. what is the workout? I mean, I went to one and it was awesome because it was like the, which one did you go the to? 5K day. In Jaboa? No, it was in Pacific Beach. On Mission mm -hmm. Bay, it was pitch black, foggy, couldn't see a thing. And there were so many people there. They were so excited. Oh, yeah, they the were Sunrise laughing. 6K, right? They were smiling. They had a lot of energy for 629. I was half asleep. And right. you basically got there and you're like, 5K? And I was like, sweet, because that's all I can do is run. Right. I'm not very good at burpees. The workout is, um, it's going to be a variation. It's going to be different. Nearly every time you go, it's going to be different. Mm. Uh, the leaders take a lot of pride in mixing things up, but also keeping the same baseline level of Body weight movements, burpees, planking, um, you know, rolling around on the ground, and and it's it's a lot of play. And then there's the the running piece. We always talk about how we trick a lot, we trick a lot of adults into running a lot, and um, and yeah, we're not a run club and we're not a boot camp. And we we pride ourselves on not having those titles, those labels, because I mean, we always joke that if we were November Project, the Run Club, it wouldn't have. Uh, exploded the way it has because I think a lot of people even those of uh, those of us who run quite a bit when asked are you a runner yeah we're kind of on the fence right and that's yeah. that's you know it's kind of an intimidating thing right run club in the title you think you know exactly what's going on there and I think boot camps have their own kind of stigma or, or whatever but um yeah we're really proud of the variation and I think we have helped a lot of other new athletes kind of find some identity of like where to start because it is really encouraging for someone to show up who's super out of shape or super um, 
maybe their fitness has been very dormant since the last time they competed in college or in the Olympics or in high school or whatever, um, but also all ages. So you'll see some parents bring their kids and you'll see grandparents bring their grandkids. It's, it's, a, it's a really special thing. And I think just to give any listeners like some, some context, you know, the workouts in Boston these days can grow you know, as big as six, seven, eight, nine thousand people on a Wednesday morning. And the one here in San Diego can get as big as a couple hundred. And so it's not like your boot camp that you're envisioning. It's not like the run club with all the skinny white dudes in the, in the short shorts that are going to disappear and prove how fast they are. The workouts churn. It's super upbeat and almost campy and fun. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, there was... It was a motley crew, I could say. Right. You know, there's old people, young people, right. fat people, skinny people, in shape people, right. not in shape people. Right. Really, really ugly people. No, everybody's really beautiful. Really great looking people. In San Diego, everybody's beautiful. Right. But seriously, everybody was so encouraging. So there's like a little like mantra before you start, and that varies by city, right? It varies by city. So um, the leaders are doing, the, they're, they're building these tribes because they believe in their city. And there aren't a lot of rules in that they kind of have to do and the things that we all do. But the workout in almost every single city begins with the leaders looking at their clock and recognizing that it's 629 or it's 615 or whatever time you start. Um, getting everyone, come on in. Guys, bring it in. Bring it in nice and tight. I mean, it feels like, I don't know, I didn't play high school football, but that kind of vibe. Bring it in. Guys, bring it in a little bit tighter. All right. And then there's some sort of a greeting. Um in different cities, it'll sound or look or feel differently, but it usually has to do with some kind of, guys, I'm really glad you're here. Um, for those of you guys who are here, this is awesome. For those of you guys who are brand new, show of hands who's brand new. And that's always a cool moment because almost every single workout, there's at least one new person, if not dozens. They're brought into the family with open arms and um, supported for sure. Yeah, I got a few hugs. Yeah, right and, away. Well, that, I was like, and then Whoa, that's usually cool. that's usually where it goes. I don't want to say that every city does this, but um, it's very normal to hear the, one of the leaders, we call them co-leaders, say, before we get going, turn to three people that you don't know, give them a big bear hug. None of this hips out business. None of this broski like slap one hand and bring them all the way in. Full bear hug, both arms, and then tell them you're glad they're here. Now, it feels a little bit cultish, right? But I think that we've come too damn far with our smartphones and all of our you know, kind of closed-mindedness where now if we're nice to each other, it feels cultish or weird. Like, so anyway, a lot of the Scrooges don't exist for very long at November Project because it's just too nice. And so turn to give out three big bear hugs. In San Diego, they will do what's called a bounce. We do the bounce in, in every city where literally like popcorn, these athletes of all ages, shapes, and sizes start jumping up and down. And then usually like kind of like a chant or like a rap concert somewhere in the middle the one of the leaders will say like repeat after me and they say some some nonsense and then it, they just like a barking back and forth and it's hilarious and great here in san diego they finish with repeat after me and i'm gonna actually i'm gonna have you do this repeat after me be happy be happy be strong be strong be bright be bright and psd NPSD. Which stands for November Project San Diego. Ah. And that comes out of these people's mouths like cannon fire. I mean, they're psyched to say it because it's like their mantra. It's like their thing. You are psyched right now. Can you, awesome. can, can you say it back? Be happy. Be happy. Be strong. Be strong. Be bright. Be bright. NPSD. NPSD. Right. 
And then they usually turn it over and say, all right, so Ashley's going to explain the workout or whatever. And then she's like, guys, we're going to do a thousand laps or whatever for 40 minutes or whatever. Ready, go. And you're kind of tricked into like, all right, I can handle this, even though we're all <laughs> screwed. You know, like we're all going to end up pretty beat down. Yeah, it was awesome. I remember doing it and by eight o'clock in the morning, I think we were done at like seven actually, because it was just a 5K that day. That's right. That's right. I felt like I'd done more by eight o'clock that morning than I'd done most mornings. Well, and you and did I, great. I remember I, that. You did great. Oh, you're sweet. But I, I just felt like so loved and oh, what a good way to start your morning. So I get why it's spread because you just feel damn good in the morning. I got. I mean, this this podcast is about having a wild idea worth living. You were yeah. living this wild idea, but when did you get the idea that this wild idea you had with just your buddy was going to spread and that you could leave your office job and do this? Um, there were a couple moments along the way where we thought, wow, this group called November Project um, is universe i guess the word is universal right like this idea of like an adult gym class recess social hour support group of good fun pete like that we had this crazy thing so i think that when we started seeing how successful it was in a place that was very different from boston massachusetts you know boston massachusetts is a very historic old place with college kids who sleep in don't come to november project but it's kind of a tucked in city where people they measure their lives against one another frequently and it does matter what neighborhood you live in and people are pretty mm. serious about life and you know climbing the ladder i think and i love boston um but the first seven cities that had it um and i don't think these seven cities get clumped in ever but uh, it went from Boston to Madison, Wisconsin, to San Francisco, um, Edmonton, Alberta. And then the, the three that came on to make it seven were uh, Denver, Washington, D.C., and then here in San Diego. And those cities are so vastly different in the culture, in the style, in the ways in which you think people would come together to be social, to meet singles, to, yeah. to train outside with their family. I or, actually you know. tell all my single girlfriends go to November project. There's, there's, there's some action there. There's some like really good looking guys. They yeah. all have jobs. Yeah. <laughs> and which is big in San Diego. Yeah. Especially good looking guys. They all have jobs. They don't have shirts and they drive cars. Right. Yeah. So, all right. So to answer your question though, I think when you can see it doing so well here, when the three fearless women who created November project, San Diego with true passion and ownership and excitement and creativity, Ashley, Jesse, and Lauren, when you saw it working here under palm trees and you could see it at the foot of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. in the snow, in the dark, also at negative 30 in Edmonton, Alberta, like you start to think like, wait a minute, wait, 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 pause, hang on, turn CNN down. The world actually might be good. This might actually be good all over the... Fill in the blank. So that's when we began starting to talk about what we call world takeover. And the crazy idea is that kindness and hard work and inclusive vibes are universal. And and we said it with a ton of confidence and a dash of like kind of being cocky. But as these tribes continue to pledge and then become official, 36 tribes later in seven different countries around the world that pass a sunrise, you know, you know, across 36 tribes. I mean, I, I think that's 
proving itself right. You know, what's so interesting is that it, it's free. And usually I think people value things when they pay for it. But you've made them value something free right. by doing something pretty different. It's not like a hazing thing. It's like, I don't know what it is. Maybe you can point it out. But there's something there that people show up right. when it's free, which they don't. Usually people only show up to a trainer because right. they're paying them. Yeah. I mean, the fitness landscape here in San Diego is saturated for sure. And so there is something valuable about going to a trainer or to a gym or to a whatever. But I, well, <laughs> I, I think there's uh, some boredom for sure. But I, I still think the hardest part about Barry's boot camp and the hardest part about CrossFit and November Project San Diego and going surfing is when the alarm clock goes off. True. And so the big difference with our space and whoever shows up to Barry's boot camp is that when you walk in the door there, because you're a paying customer, you're going to get served, not only a workout, but an experience. The music mm. will be up. This will be the workout. This is whatever. Turn and give someone a high five. But no one is really owning it as much as the members of November Project. They feel like shareholders just by having their butt cheeks sitting there, getting ready for the workout to start at 628 in the morning. And so the vibe is unmatched. And I think that's why it works is because uh, these folks really do love each other. And it's so social that it's hard to beat. You look at some of these tribes, you know, best in Baltimore, best in Milwaukee, best in Philly, best in Boston. I mean, they're, they're not winning, you know, best underground boot camp pretend cult workout. You know, they're winning best workout in Boston. Like, so there's something that's also authentic about the output too. It's not just a jolly fat camp for fun people that are <laughs> dorks. You know, it's like there's real running and you saw it with that 5k. Like, yeah. You didn't win. No. There was a dozen women that beat you. You know what I mean? So it's like No, I actually beat all the women. Come no, on. you didn't. Yes, I did. No, I, you didn't. I was yes, no women beat me. You were the first woman? I was the first woman. No way. I swear to God, I was the first woman. What was your time? Um, it was under twenty one. It was under twenty. I'm gonna have to check that result. You can go check that result, but no other woman beat me that day, but definitely guys beat me and I was kinda bummed. I ran I, in college. Come I on. barely believe you, but I believe you. Okay. You Where'd you to, run in college? You have to believe me. I ran at a Crappy, Come on, say it. I'm not going to take over the podcast. Where, where'd you run? Emory University. Thank you. But I only ran for two years there, and I played soccer. So, oh, oh. <laughs> casual, so casual soccer ball. Um, so I played soccer and ran, there but I'm really competitive. Um, and I just wanted to. I don't know. I was lucky. And that you day. came in that that, that I think morning. The fastest girl must have been three. tired. Yeah. That day, I think they'd already had like a they'd had a race. Hey, the day I'll before. look at the pictures. I'm, I'm look sure at the pictures. Won. Um, so let's go back to La Jolla, we California. Have two still. Oh, that's so cool. So you can talk to them. So I want to go back to La Jolla, California, because you moved here from Boston. So what do you think of San Diego? Oh, we got Jay on the line. <laughs> this is going to be so fun for my podcast editor. Jay Pasternak, or whatever his last name is. Hang on a second. Okay, what was the question? <laughs> so, so for the audience listening, if this isn't edited out, um, we are doing Instagram Live, which we're going to start doing for some podcasts. All of them. I think so. As long as they're We've made the commitment here that we're going to do better social media <laughs> from May 2nd, 2017 uh, onward. So I just had to admit to Brogan that I really hate social media, but now that I have a podcast, I have to do social okay, media. Okay, but while we're talking about this, and then I'll give you your podcast back, what images that you post on your personal account get the highest traction? Say it. Bikini shots. Bikini shots. Crazy. For me, it's stuff that I post about my beret. It's probably pictures of your wife. 
That's correct. Yep. Yeah. So Brogan has a really hot yoga wife. And Goldie. she's smart and fun to be with. So, it was her birthday yesterday. That's awesome. Happy Shout birthday. out to Goldie. Goldie. She's in her late 20s. So we'll go back to talking about San Diego, but let's mm-hmm. just talk about how we met. Someone introduced us, and the way that Brogan approached me was all of a sudden I got this random text message from a Boston number, had no idea who it was, and it was a video text message with some guy wearing a beanie. And I was like, this is spam. This is so weird. And then I hit play and it was like, hey, this is Brogan. This is my alley. This is my street. And it was like a full tour of his <laughs> house and where he lived. And I was like, what a freak. Who sends you the, at the first meeting, not an email. So we were introduced over email. Instead of emailing me back, the guy just like sends me this super random text message. But I had to think about it. And I stopped and I wondered about out. it. And in your message, you said, hey, I need you to respond back with another video text message. And I got to stop you right there. So we, in my line of work, which I still not, I'm not sure what that is, uh, we call it a short film. And I think I outlined that in the first short film that I sent you. Yes. And then, yeah. And then I said, this is how I communicate. And I wasn't that creepy. I mean, I was creepy, but not that creepy. No, it wasn't creepy, but well, it was just a disruptive way yeah. to Make you, meet yeah. someone. And I thought it was genius. I was like, wow, I thought about this guy. I remembered him. Mm. It was disruptive. Mm-hmm. Goldie, don't worry. Um, I was wearing my <laughs> wedding band. Yeah, but I just thought it was really clever. So I just remember that was a really great tactic to introduce someone. So I just want to know what other stuff do you do to like, get people's attention like that. Ravello Metal says awesome. Specifically. Crushing it, Shelby. Specifically, how did you introduce yourself to Goldie? Because- Wait, that's all we're doing on the short film stuff? So so the text, it comes from being lazy where you basically do a selfie and you say, this is a short film. And we hide behind the title short film so that we pretend like we're doing something you know, very thoughtful. <laughs> and then um, you responded like after a couple days or something. Well, I had to be in my North Face jacket. You, yeah, you put on your North Face jacket. I put on my North Face you were at jacket like for you. Powderhorn or something. I was somewhere in Utah. Yeah, skiing. And then, and I think you were like mostly charming, but a little awkward. I'm always awkward. But mostly charming. <laughs> all right, so, all right, move on to Goldie. So, so how do so you So try your Goldie? own short films. Thank you. Yeah, no, so if you want to get someone's attention, send them a video. Send them a video. And then it's like FaceTime, but then they can kind of like put you off until later. It was really clever. I mean, I wonder if that would work a for genius. a job interview. <laughs> hey. Hey. I think that would work. So, or to meet a girl. So, did that work with Goldie? What Is if that you how just you... sent your resume of you reading your resume <laughs> line <laughs> by line? That would be epic. Hi, Brogan Graham. Yeah. Marketing manager. Is that what you were? Were you a marketing manager? Let's go back to you real quick. So, what were you? We do the Goldie question. Okay. Because it's her birthday. Okay, Goldie. How did you meet Goldie? I met Goldie in Boston in 2000. Ooh, 2011 uh, in the spring. And I have this theory about cities where if like, if you chop them up like a pie based on interest and where you go and how you get there, like a big city like Boston all of a sudden is pretty little. Mm. So like, for example, if you get a smoothie at that place once a week, show hands. Okay, great. All you people go over there. Okay. If you get a smoothie in the smoothie group from that place once a week and you ride your bike every day, show of hands. Okay, new smaller section. And then you go all the way through it. Smoothie over there, once a week, ride your bike every day, and you do yoga at least once a week. Chop, 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 until 
there's not that many of us cruising around and we're sharing a small space and her name is Goldie and she looks like a Goldie with long blonde hair and there's not a lot of her and um, I made loud chimpanzee noises until she followed me to the cave. So she in. was running and you met her running. Let's tell the story. Uh, yeah, we were both running apparently. I don't remember this, but she wrote about it in her journal that she saw the man of her dreams. You think I'm making that up? No, I read it. I read it in an article. You read her journal? No, <laughs> there is an article written about you. I did my research and it was it was Goldie talked about how you guys met. She yeah. said there was a guy running. Yeah, and yeah. that day she saw... Yeah, so then, and then we had like a lot of these like near encounters. So like that was probably three or four or five or six years before we actually ever shook hands and met. We had a friend try and set us up on like on a date or something and I dropped the ball on that. And then, cause I moved to Florida, which is like a big mistake. I think one of your questions on the sheet is big mistake or something. We'll yeah. get, we'll go back to Florida. Okay. And then we uh, rode bikes at uh, the midnight marathon, which is, which happens at midnight, uh, the morning of the Boston Marathon, where all the roads are closed and you ride bikes in the rain wearing wedding dresses. Was that your first date? Yeah, not really. So we kind of lived in this gray zone of like, we just like went to each other's stuff. You know, like I had a posse of dudes riding bikes over the marathon course. I was like, do you want to come? She came, you know. November Project okay, was a really up. easy one. And if she were sitting here, she'd be like, when I started going, there were only like three or four people. She doesn't talk like that. She'd be like, there's only four people. But she's a hot yoga chick. So and she started sudden, bringing a lot of like Lululemon models. Perfect. And that's helpful in yeah. getting men and women. Don't quote me on that. So, so are we recording friends? We are. <laughs> so I hope there's an SD card Let's in see here. see if Jay has any questions. Um, so yeah. So, so having good looking girls is helpful for growing social media, growing followings. I didn't say that. Did that happen? Um, I think that I think that the first ring of people that were showing up to November Project were uh, pretty serious athletes. I will say that. And so the workouts and the movement has a backbone of we're going to throw down. Like we're this is going to be a pretty serious hour and you're most likely going to be sore and if it's done right, you won't need another you won't work out for the rest of the day. We were really timely about putting social media, including our blog, live uh, before noon um, the same day as every workout. And in Boston, that was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So it's a lot of content. Even if the blogs were like, hey, we ran the stairs. Johnny threw up. Here's a picture of Johnny. But still get it out. I always say that, um, and, it, and Jay, if you're listening, um, I always say that uh, good content in super live time is great, but gray content next week sucks, right? So everyone that's tinkering for the right photo and the right thing, and oh, I'm gonna almost finish the blog and then I'm gonna draft the tweet. It sucks, it's dead, it's over. The world is moving too quick and especially with social. Great, this podcast is gonna be like- This podcast out comes out- on May 20th, totally, I'm sorry. Totally, all May beret will almost be over by that point, but we'll get to that in a second. So anyway, um, we were very diligent, especially my co-founder Boyan, about getting that blog up no matter what. I always suggested, I was like, dude, let's just put it up on Thursday. Then that way, you know, it'll like be like a recap, whatever. And he was so serious about no way. And he had this theory, and I stand by it today. When you le and it applies to your experience here at November Project San Diego. When you left at eight in the morning, you just finished saying it, you had this great like, like high of your day's gonna be awesome. And you know, I think in the nine to five world, 
in some of these big cities in the East or wherever, you kind of take that into work with you. And then, you know, uh, Susan in accounting looks a little tired and you're kind of, Hey, Susan, she's like, where'd you come from? And you're like, well, I'll tell you. And you're having these conversations without even trying. And I think by the time that noon, early afternoon comes, you're kind of coming down from that high a little bit. And so if we can get your images up and tell that story digitally and tag you in the photo and do the bragging for you before you even get to lunch and you see your workmates around the, the water cooler, it's like they're asking about it before you even bring it up. I mean, we, we thought that was a pretty good strategy and I think it's worked out for sure. Smart. So how many people do November Project around the world? What do you think? I, I think we're going to show just the host now. Hi, guys. I think that uh, I think that in the summertime, uh, between five and 10,000 on a Wednesday. Cow. On a Wednesday. So it's Mondays, Wednesdays? Right. So um, every single tribe goes through a pledging process of kind of proving that they are the right leaders and that they can build something for a couple months before they become officially November Project Dallas or whatever. That's only an okay example, but we'll keep going. Um, and then they become official, um, and then they have just a Wednesday um, to build a group that is pretty large and pretty legit, and then we say that they kind of earn themselves another day. Usually they add a Friday, and then they go back and add a Monday. Here in San Diego, it's Mondays and Wednesdays. Um, but it's usually never two days in a row. It's never in the PM. It's never on the weekend. We do events here and there, but you can always count on these groups being a morning before work. Wednesdays are the biggest? Well, yeah. So so following that rant, every single one of these tribes has a Wednesday for sure. Cool. Even if they're brand new and they only have one day a week. That seems like that would be the biggest day. Well, it's kind of an anchor in the middle of the week, yeah. right? So it's like you're you haven't there. Yeah, you they're haven't not... left yet for the, the bachelorette party. Yeah. And then you're also still... You're still home. Yeah. How interesting. Um, genius. It's, I mean, it's a stroke of genius. You actually, we are. there's a great podcast already on the Ritual podcast with you where you explain the November project. I thought you guys did a really good job explaining it. So I'm going to plug Ritual because it's so good. But I do want to ask you one more question about the November project. Have you had Ritual on here? No, we should have him. Consider this a call out. Okay, Rich, 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 if you're Go listening. On. But we serve first and then we have beer. Dude, I tried this with him. I was like, Come down. We'll. I tried this with him for the podcast for his thing. I was like, "Come down to San Diego. We'll surf. We'll go to November Project. You'll know what the heck you're talking about. You don't just do your homework. You actually experience it." And he never came through. Well, so. Brogan said he was a beginner surfer, and he caught, you caught like the wave of the day today. I caught the wave of the day. I was so impressed on your ten foot. I also think that's what you say to everybody. No, no, I don't say that to everybody. Jed Noel. Jed Noel. Greg Noel's son shaped his longboard, which is pretty impressive. And then the funding was sourced by the November project community on Facebook. So my buddy Kev scam. Yeah. Well, $5 at a time. I have friends. Yeah. <laughs> once, once a lifetime. So basically Brogan is so cool. People like him so much that his friends bought him a surfboard, which is really nice. And that's a legit surfboard, especially for your first surfboard. I, th I think it's awesome. And how tall are you? Can I ask? I'm six and one half feet. He, that's impressive. So tall surfer tall. did a really good job. And I tell him about my hat. And he's wearing a white beret. No, 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 the surf oh, hat. The surf hat. Oh, yeah, he wore a dorky little surf hat. That was legit. You well, know, my wife wants me to wear it. because He's not going to look super old like me, so it's good. You yeah. want to have sun protection. So just some memorable success stories you can share from the, the November project. Uh, Maybe two or three. Two or three memorable success stories from the November project. Um, 
Well, I can tell you what we're ramping up for, and I'll tell you what it's a story. So there's this thing that it, back in 2013, you know, I told you about that first year in Boston, the second year in seven cities, and as that year closed, uh, my buddy Boyne and I thought that we should get all these leaders together. <laughs> Because I don't know, we wanted to like know each other. We all followed the crap out of each other on social. There's so much energy, and like we wanted to know more about. I mean, kind of like in a lot of cases, we knew some of these folks from Northeastern. One of the leaders is my brother, and but we thought it would be so cool to get everyone in the same place, right? And so, Boyne and I kind of put put our credit cards down and figured out how to fly everyone to the same place. In this case, we thought because one of our main pillars of who we are and what we do is being weatherproof. So we thought, well, we can't go to San Diego. We just can't, right? That's like too easy. easy. We can do it. Go to San Diego and like ride waves. Well, maybe. So we went to Edmonton and the seven cities. So roughly 14 people. We all sat around a table in a conference room in a hotel and talked about different workouts and what we were doing and, and, um, strategy and recruiting and social media and writing and, and, um, I think recruiting was probably the, one of the biggest things because back then it was build it bigger. How big is your tribe? Oh, DC's got 500. Hmm. Denver still has 90. You know, it's like, oh, okay. you know. Um, and that was a big idea within the idea, right? Like, I think, you know, Boyan's wife and my girlfriend at the time, Goldie, I think that they were supportive <laughs> of that idea, the summit. We call it the leadership summit. Uh, but I mean, it, it wasn't cheap. Yeah, you were self-funding it. Right. right. So it's kind of like we could keep those thousands of dollars for grocery, you know, or, okay, we're going to Edmonton to drink beers. A rent so, or a vacation. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So um, we always think of that as like a dumb, risky, we're not sure what we're doing moment. Uh, but it felt right. And seeing all those people spill out of those doors and hug it out. Uh, as people that were just meeting each other, but they were all leaders of these tribes in this experimental social thing that was working was one of the most special moments uh, for sure. And we brought two young filmmakers with us who had been shooting a bunch just kind of whenever they brought their cameras, childhood friends from New Hampshire and their film company is called Dooster. And we brought them, we even got them plane tickets. We like, were like, you have to pay for your own food and you have to share a bed, but like, where well, you're gonna come. And they were psyched. And so they shot everything. And I, rem I re clearly remember sharing a hotel room with Boyan and those two dudes, like on our very last night after all the other leaders had gone back and we were just so exhausted looking at each other like, I, I think that was for sure worth it. I think we have to do this every year. It feels now, two days later, more like a movement, truly, than it did before the summit. And I think the guess, the guess work, the guesswork going into it was that if our leaders feel a true connection and a friendship, the way that their respective tribes do that they lead this isn't just a bunch of one-offs it's actually a movement and it's connected and so that was 2013 that was the first summit we did it 2014 in madison wisconsin with help from the north face and that's where the partnership began 2015 was in utah uh, by that point we had nearly a thousand people just traveling to the mountains to run with us and and do the endurance challenge and and, and party uh, last year, 2016, was in Blue Mountains, Ontario, at a ski resort, and there was well over a thousand people there. And then this this summer, the biggest event that, of our existence that we're getting ready for, we're actually bringing everybody back to Boston. And so the fifth annual summit will be June 10th and 11th. Wow, how many people? Well, now if you think about it, from seven cities to 36, and um, 
with almost like a like a homecoming kind of vibe, like yeah. a Grateful Dead vibe of like, hey man, I got you know I got a running injury, I can't even race. I'm just gonna go. You know, I'm just gonna go meet people. You know, it's it's become this thing. So um, we could see anywhere from twelve fifty to two thousand people. I would doubt that we have over two thousand, but it ends up being a weekend of uh, Friday morning training, exploring a city on on Friday while all the leaders are with Boyne and I doing some bonding and cult stuff. Um, Friday night, a pretty chill dinner or something. Saturday's a huge race at the Endurance Challenge put on by the North Face, which is a new location in Massachusetts. We call it Boston, but it's really a little bit outside of the city. And then we're putting on a huge party that night in South Boston at like this outdoor uh, lawn space that's incredible. So yeah, so um, tell your single friends to buy airplane tickets. To Boston. And between now and June to come out to the workout and earn their their November project spray-painted shirts. So... I actually came on the day you were spray painting a shirt. I felt like guilty. Like I didn't really earn my shirt. No, you did though. It was awesome. Well, you once you, that's the thing with the member project. If you go once, we say if you go once, you're a member for life. Got it. So really, the smartest people are the ones who go on a 5K day, get a shirt, <laughs> lie about getting first, and then never I ever didn't get first. Come back. Out of all the women, again, I definitely came again. You gotta check those. I stats. think you're playing your cards well. Rich Roll didn't show up. Okay, so Brogan. Thank you for that. We had a little guacamole chip beer intermission. And it was so good. So thank you, Johnny, for making guacamole. So my question is, you have these summits, you have these leaders. At first, you funded it yourself. Mm -hmm. How did you go from self-funding to actually getting someone to fund it for you? Someone to believe. Yeah, but that's the trick, right? All these people have these wild ideas. It's theirs. How do you get sponsored, basically? How well, I think I, I think for us, it was a really good example of uh, timing and the right people. And I think that I talk to a lot of people who have a, a, a good setup with a partnership or a sponsorship. That's definitely a big piece of it. So uh, in 2014, we were approached by the North Face and it was it was actually a really it was really cool because it, it, the North Face is a huge a uh, huge company, a big worldwide brand, right? And I think the first conversations were like, you guys are cool, like, let's do something, right? And I, I think that we've been so agenda-free for so long. I mean, at the workouts, there's no like, hey, can I make an announcement about my kid's uh, bake sale? Because we'd be there all morning. So we are so agenda-free. There's no banner. There's no like, the, just so... Um, the yeah, I like that. No one's allowed to make it, an announcement about anything. Well, because I think that nice. let me start it in Boston because the Boston Marathon, there's so many people that are charity runners that everyone has a good cause and a good reason and a good event. And and so the minute you let that go, it's like it's wildfire. So, agenda free. The woman who was in charge of uh, the global marketing team was tasked with helping launch the training platform for the North Face. In 2014, it was called Mountain Athletics. And the concept around that was for athletes who want to train for snow, more or less, how do you get fit when the snow's all gone? And so that was an apparel line. It was also a lifestyle training uh, regiment that was an app, and it was in-person workouts in these markets, and it was really cool. That woman actually got a, a copy of the Runner's World magazine that we're actually on the cover of in uh, December 2013, and she said, like, we gotta do some of these dudes. So. We, I remember that. Right. I remember seeing that, being like, "Who are these guys?" Yeah. So that so that was kind of gave us 
like a little bit of legitimacy. So you got in the runner's world because of a friend who worked at New, New Balance? Uh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know how that inner working goes. But the dude who was supposed to write a half-page article came out and thought that he was going to write some half-page article. And he he fell into the the Kool-Aid that is November Project. And so You guys concocted a really good Kool-Aid. And he wrote an epic, you know full piece that ended up being 10 pages in the magazine wow. and a fold-out cover. And it was like right around the time when the brand at Runner's World was changing their image, the way they spoke, the way their layouts were, and the, the photography to support it all. So the timing was awesome. And so, again, good people and timing. And uh, the former editor-in-chief, David Willey, came out to a lot of the workouts, brought his whole team. and But again, timing and good people, right? And so uh, were we... Uh, for the years leading up to that, losing sleep, hoping that one day we could land a, a cover of Runner's World magazine. No way. No way. Because had we gone that route with that goal, it may have happened, but we probably would have driven ourselves crazy. So these things were just happening. And so back to the North Face. Um, with that piece of media in her hand and the contact with us, we set out on in 2014 just to try a partnership. It was like kind of like a, like a soft launch, basically. And... Um, the team at the North Face gave us the resources to um, get into the Endurance Challenge races for free, uh, bring along some of our friends, maybe a dozen or so bibs, um, and use those as rally points for some of these tribes to kind of go and meet each other and hang Smart. out. And um, and then, and this was the really killer one, was they funded our summit in Wisconsin. So we went, 2013 was the one we did out of pocket. In Wisconsin, we were able to fly everyone in from 16 cities. So it went from, because Runner's World went from seven cities to 16 cities. And then all of a sudden, Boyne and I were looking at each other like, whoa, we're in trouble, right? If the summer was going to live on, we needed to take someone's help. Yeah. In 2014, we weren't sure what that would look like. The North Face wasn't sure if we were like smart or like criminals or what. So it was like, we kind of did this nice, it was, it was almost an entire 12 month, you know, dance of like, I think this could work, but we're not bound yet. And it was awesome. And so at the end of 2014, we signed a two-year partnership, um, and we're both able to leave our jobs and access resources to build this leadership summit, uh, gear for our leaders, as well as a travel budget to go to some of these tribes, whether they're brand new, maybe they're some of the newer tribes that we kind of come in and work with in person about uh, things that are working in other cities and and in those days, 2015 and 2016, we were on the road all the time and living the dream. I mean, for folks out there that are trying to, you know, be that pro surfer or just live that van life, like it, I, I'm I, living proof. Like it's worth it. Go, like press the gas in all corners of your life to make it happen. Because, you know, I, I'll be a gray haired old man one day, but in 2016, I was on the road three weeks out of every month. And you talk about living the dream. I mean, you know, trips to Asia and Europe and every corner of North America, like the travel bug is real. And when you're actually able to itch it, it's a really cool thing. Wow. So I have a million questions. First Go. is you should eat some more guacamole. Um, so the leaders aren't paid, but it, it seems like, so, so how do they do it for free and get so excited about it and keep doing it? So we say, you know, Boyan and I used to say that we were the wealthiest guys in Boston. Because you are at the best party, you're in the center of the most social scene, including the clubs and all the dating services, and it's you're making a lot of change, you know. And so, people talk about making their cities better. Our co-leaders in these cities, in because of these tribes, they're empowered. That is really true. I, 
all my jobs in in life, the one where I impacted the most change was where I taught surfing. Like yeah. people quit their jobs, divorced their husbands, right. got new husbands. <clears throat> I mean, husbands are a dime, you know, a, dime a dozen. Well, I, it was an all-girl surf. Got school. another husband. But I imagine with the November that, project, dude. people completely changed their lives. Does that happen? Do you see like dramatic waste loss or? Yeah, just... I think. Yeah, I think that like when you boil it down, it's so simple. It's a morning workout. It's free. It's happening no matter what. And if it rains and you don't get out of bed, we will have a good time without you. We will welcome you back whenever you do come back, and we'll ensure you that it'll be better with you there. But I mean, it, it's it's pretty simple. And so inside that, if someone is any age, pick any age, and they're there to lose weight. Well, you can access November Project for that, for sure. Consistency in working out will get you closer to goals, whether it's losing 10 pounds or getting faster or whatever. Um, if someone's there to uh, socialize, that is readily available because of the sit next to someone you don't know or partner with someone you don't know or grab a team of four or whatever the setup is for that day. And so I guess I'm using those as examples of like, People come to this one-hour offering in the morning to kind of take whatever they want. People are there for many different reasons, but it's it's pretty cool to see how people's lives change. I mean, we were living in Boston with a lot of our former college friends, and when November Project started, like we still saw them, but not as often mm-hmm. because we'd surrounded ourselves with like-minded people, and they weren't all athletes, but they did care about being driven into that community. I love, though, that saying that you're some of the five people you spend the most time with. Right. And so if you get up in the morning and you're with good people, you start to change. Sure. We didn't talk much about San Diego. What's okay. it like living in San Diego? What have you learned from surfing? Okay. What's it like in living in San Diego? And what have I learned from surfing? What is it like living in San Diego? Living in San Diego is, is as advertised. So anyone that's ever like landed and looked out in the marina... And looked at San Diego and been like, wow, what would it be like to live here? It's like you think. No, it's it totally sunny. sucks. Don't move it's here. It's sunny. Just it's kidding. awesome. People are pretty active. Um, I will say, though, that it's probably hard to notice on vacation. Maybe maybe you can. I always thought it was hard, hard to notice when I was visiting uh, how slow it truly is. It's Compared to Boston. Well, compared to anywhere. Really? Yeah. 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 People are a little slower. Yeah. I mean, it's more fast-paced in Tijuana. I mean, it's it's more fast-paced in, in anywhere. I mean, I so that to me was a, a big adjustment, and for my wife Goldie. And um, but you can go outside and run every day in a t-shirt. Uh, it's awesome. You can access trail and ocean and anything you want. I, I've gotten into cycling here. I've gotten into you know you don't. I always remember in Boston you have to ride pretty far to get out of the city to then kind of start your road ride. Whereas here it's like you just go you. You ride the hills in La Jolla. I love but, that you said it's so slow paced. It but, just makes me laugh. And then your question was about surfing. Well, you, then you said, Yeah, what did you learn from surfing? What did I learn from surfing is that uh, I think that patience is key. And I think that um, it was always interesting looking at surfing because it was always like one of those things like, you know, it, you know, a kid sees a, a musician and they're like, I want to play guitar like that guy, right? And so you see surfing and you're like, well, I want to ride down a wave. I want to carve down a wave, right? And what's really frustrating about surfing, I think for some people, is really addictive. So what's really frustrating is that you can't do that on day one or day 100. And so even when you get pretty good, 
from putting the board on top of your car to tying it down to getting the wetsuit, getting the wetsuit on, in the thing, in paddle out, get the breaker waves. Oh shit, you're in the weight wash. Oh, get back on the board, back out. You could put three hours into your surfing experience in one day and really only be on a board, on a wave, surfing for 25 seconds. And so the patience kicks in. And I think that when you are addicted to that process, that whole thing, that's what makes you stick. And so I, I've, I'm not much of a patient person, but something about the routine around everything for me has been as cool as standing on the board riding waves. I want to talk to you about routines because you are a busy guy in demand. You are not here a lot of the time and you're now doing a lot of public speaking. You got asked to speak in front of Facebook, which is huge. And I want to talk to you about that. But do you have routines, habits, ways you eat, ways you train, things that you do every day, mantras you say that kind of have made you such a high performer and a good leader? Um, I do have some routines. I wake up early. Um, I... I like to be standing, drinking a cup of coffee 90 minutes before a workout starts. 90 minutes? Yeah. So, so do the math. Yeah. So 629, that's 459. 459. Holding a cup of coffee. So if you're grinding beans at 445, so what time is your alarm? 430. So it's like, I'm a little bit insane about that. Because I feel like it's really lame, especially for me, kind of like one of the dudes who was around in the original days for November Project to show up and kind of be like, ugh, this sucks. So like... I do love November Project, but like I gotta get, I gotta wake up too, right? So that's one of my routines. Coffee. I'm a big coffee guy. I'm trying to get off like the afternoon coffees, but I live so close to Bird Rock Coffee and Bird Rock that like it's so hard. I love right. Bird Rock. So coffee. that's routine. The public speaking stuff. You know, a, a, kind of an unknown fact is that I studied theater in college. Mm. So the performance thing, and I came from a loud household of like funny people. So there's always like something about holding a space, like telling a really good story at a dinner table. And then, and then, oh, oh, and then, boom, punchline, right? So it's like, there's always like some timing stuff around presenting and, and uh, I've, I've found new ways and new routines for kind of organizing a presentation. Anyone, whether it's those poor folks at Facebook or even the people that were at the creative mornings in San Diego, um, my style, I guess if I have one is very free form and like really off the cuff, like don't bring your kids. There's gonna be some F bombs and it's like, it's colorful and it's active and it's, I try, especially in a situation with folding chairs and like indoor carpeting and like, you know, styrofoam cups of coffee in those settings, I think I have to crank it up even further to give you the experience as close as we could get to what, November Project's vibe is, and sometimes that involves, you know, taking out your smartphone and giving it to the person next to you, and and um, throwing your hands up in the air and screaming, and and getting people out of their chairs because, especially when it comes to some conferences, especially when it comes to uh, folks that are you know busting their butt with a nine to five, if I'm a breath of fresh air that can be like, dude, this sucks, but take off your lanyard and live a little bit for five seconds with me, I think people respond well to that, and if they don't, it's kind of like November Project. If they don't, they're probably not gonna like me at all, and that's fine. Um, so that's so so my so my routines there are and and I've gotten a little bit better at it, but planning the the topics inside of what this rant is going to look like and have a little bit of an understanding of an arc and then and then being able to play jazz on top of it because I'm never going to be the guy who like you are nails each question. I'm going to basically get halfway there and then just make it work. But like, how do you get them to interact? Like, 
that whole take out your cell phone out of your pocket, hand it to a stranger. Is that something that came up on the fly or did you plan that? Um, so I think recently, especially in the last calendar year, um, there's been a lot of talk of this digital detox and the idea of like putting our phones down and like that's been a, a popular anthem and and I mostly believe in that actually, which is a little bit ironic because of how often myself <laughs> and our co-leaders and our tribes and our members are on social and building on social and connecting. So, so digital is huge in what we do and yet there's a huge value in like the workout starts and no one's on their phone for an hour, you know? So I see both sides of it and um, I think that when someone that you don't know grabs your phone, like try it. Like wherever you people are listening to this thing, all 10,000 of you. 50,000. Give your phone to someone that you don't know and just be like, hey, can you hold this for a second? Because that's two scary things. It's interacting with a stranger, which I, I guarantee you're too scared to do. And then if you are brave enough, give them your phone and then go to the bathroom and then come back. And what if they look through your photos? Right, could you imagine? Whoa! Like even when my wife grabs my phone and I'm not a shady dude, I'm like, what are you, what do you need? You know, it's like, there's something about these phones. So, so I feel like it's doing two things. When you take your phone out and give it to somebody next to you, it is, it is hijacking every ounce of their attention because no one can Instagram it live. No one can, you know, grab a quote and tweet it. No one can grab a photo because their phone is t five feet away and it's awesome. So you get maximum attention, but then you also get this really free feeling. I mean, we've all been there where we're on our phone, we're grinding, we're trying to get that email, we're trying, huh, and then your phone dies and there's like an oh shit moment. But then almost immediately after you're like, I didn't realize that it's such a beautiful day you know, or something, you know? And so all of a sudden it's like, there's like a, a breath of freedom. And I've been in these stressed out days where you, your phone dies and it's like kind of a nice oasis until you do find that next terminal with an outlet, you know? You're so good in front of a crowd. So just to answer that question. Is Thank you, stuff by the way. You, no, you're really good. Do you, do you prepare these tactics or are they kind of just happen on the spot? Uh, so, uh, yeah. So all the best stuff is improv stuff. Everything that's funny is probably like off the cuff and a little bit interactive. And I like calling people out a little bit. There's always people that can take it. You know, like there's always like um, – Maybe someone who works there helps set it up or like a camera person or something. There's always somebody you can kind of like poke fun at. Um, usually someone that you met that has a good vibe. Um, and and then I think I think that there's something really important about telling this November Project story. And I can always stand on the fact that the more times I tell it, no matter what the audience is, it's moving the movement forward. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. My cousin does that in Baltimore. Oh, no way. I have a friend who does it in San Francisco. These conversations, just like the ones at the water cooler we talked about when we were building this on social media, these conversations, in my opinion, are just as valuable, if not more, when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to visibility, when it comes to kindness and good stories. And, and, and so the process has to do with, you know, getting getting myself to a point where I feel like I can tell a good story and then I can almost directly say, okay, 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 fine. That was a lot of talk. Let's move. Right? So here's a story. Even if I tell it really well with a lot of volume and color and animation, I have everyone's attention when we get up out of our seats. It's awesome. So now I want to talk to you about some hard stuff. Here we go. Drugs. <laughs> Sir, have you ever done drugs? Um, I've done drugs. Uh, no, I haven't. No, I'm not a drug. I married a yogi, so I don't do drugs. That's good. I don't do drugs either. So my question really is, you know, has there been a time where you were like, 
oh, F, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to make this work? Or I just totally mess this up. Like failure is a big part of having a wild idea. And I don't think we talk about it enough. So has there been a time where you made a mistake and had to change or you didn't know how you're going to make ends meet? But it happened. <laughs> okay. You, I, well, so you're, you're asking for like an epic, like a life shift. I'm not asking for an epic. But I have, like a, I have a, like a recent failure that's really funny. Okay. My, uh, so we put, <laughs> we put out a book last April called November Project, the book, the free fitness movement and how it's taking over the world. We call it November Project, the book. And on the one year anniversary of putting it out, which is a couple weeks ago, it was co-authored by three of us, myself, Boyan, who's the brains behind everything that happens, and Caleb Danloff, the original dude who wrote The Runner's World, yeah. right? So Caleb, who's like a real writer, Boyan, who speaks better English than I do, and then I'm just like a lot of noise, right? Uh, Caleb was like, all right, hey guys, let's do like an online giveaway for the book. And like, we'll do like a hashtag thing and like photo contest, great idea. And then he kind of turned to us and like, what ideas do you have? And then Boyan is like, well, let's see what BG comes up with and then I'll shoot down all of his ideas except the one that we choose. That's kind of our process. And um, we thought it was really funny to do, oh man, explaining this is gonna sound so stupid. Okay, we thought it was funny to do a tramp stamp contest. <laughs> oh, no. So the tramp stamp contest, hashtag, <laughs> and don't search it because no one did it. Tramp stampede. And the idea was uh, you could do a real tra tramp stamp, or you could Sharpie one on and post a photo using the hashtag Tramp Stampede. And we thought that was fucking hilarious. Like we, pretty funny. And we kept saying it to each other on the phone call. We're like, Tramp Stampede. And we all laugh. Tramp Stampede. Tramp Stampede. And we put it live. And like you can tell uh, <laughs> you can tell an idea is a bad idea. Like when you put it on Instagram and like it performs like really poorly. And we're like, oh, this is this was really stupid. And then but then you gotta kind of stick to your guns. Like, no, no. No, no, we'll just let it. We'll, people are going to be slow. They'll start to post their photos slowly. Tramp Stampede, I think only two people posted. And I think we have nearly 30,000 followers. So it was like, it's tough. And people got offended. Like in Baltimore, people got offended um, and complained to their co leaders. Uh, and I think in Philly as well. Why did they get offended? Well, I can't laugh that one off. They're, I think the language tramp is kind of tough. If we're like really going to boil down everything and, um, oh, got it. and then maybe they were into farming was, so a stampede could be like a, maybe a, <laughs> a violent animal situation, animal on human. So tramp stampede. So, uh, so anyway, if you're listening to this unlikely and you were offended by tramp stampede, <laughs> well, we're sorry. No, we are. Great. I shouldn't laugh at all. So this podcast is actually supposed to be the length of an easy runner commute. We're going over, but easy you're runner. really good to interview. Easy run or commute easy or run, run or commute? Easy run or a commute. Okay. It's like a 45-minute run or an average commute you know, back I, and forth to work. I learned this last summer in London. Uh, November Project London came on last September. When I was there, I didn't know this, and I pay attention to trends in running. London at the stroke of five and all the bell towers go off and like everyone comes out from their buildings. Huge run commute scene. So like dudes with backpacks and gals with backpacks like with like their dockers rolled up in their bag and their bottle in their hand, they're running five miles home. It's wow. a real thing. That's awesome. You don't care. 
No, I would totally do that. Let's do the next one live if from I London. Could run to work. Run and commute. Still look okay. I mean, the problem with your girl, you're like sweaty. Right. I always wanted to bike to work, run to work, but even just going surfing and then going straight to work is you a could use challenging. Um, you could use those like wet naps. No, you can't. That they give you at like a, got, a wings joint. I got yelled at. at Are you a healthy eater? Do you eat? Do you eat wings? No. Neither do I. I'm really healthy. Can, can you name someone that eats chicken wings? Yeah. So who who in your life eats chicken wings? Um, my guess is Ben. Okay. Eats chicken wings. I think my friend ben Jay. Cole. My friend Jay Crookshank eats Jay, chicken wings. I know Jay. He definitely eats. Well, eats like those. yeah, like high end. So, so yeah, I got yelled at once at showing up to work. When I was really young, covered after in chicken wings, with wet hair. No way. Yeah. What was it? A corporate scene? It was a corporate scene, but yeah. it was a surf company. So I just thought that was ludicrous. I'm like, come on, this is a surf company. I went surf, surfing. Anyways, that's why. Hey, this is a little shout out. Do you know the guys who run a company called Matus? I do, and that's the wetsuit we were. I should have been wearing. Great today. wetsuits. Yes. Legendary. People love them here. John Campbell. Those dudes want to start a November project in North County. We're going we're to stay on this for a second. All right, JVC. I think we should do it. So here's the deal. These dudes have written me emails, made plans. They really want to start one, North County. But they're kind of dropping the ball. They're saying stuff like, well, we'll be there, rain or shine, unless the waves are good. Right? So it's like, okay, right away, strike one. Then these dudes were like, well, we'll come to a November Project San Diego workout. I was like, all right, cool. Well, that's kind of like a prereq. It's only 20 minutes away. They complained about the drive, and then they promised they were going to show up, and it rained, and they didn't show up. So shout out to Matus for making really good wetsuits, but not a good impression. JVC, if that's you, I'm going to bust you on that. That's funny. Anyway, interesting. Gentlemen, 629. But they do make great, great wetsuits. Balboa Park, every Wednesday forever, if you want to write your the wrong. Write so. Couple of questions. If you could go back, this is what I ask all of my interviewees on Wild Ideas Worth Living. If you could go back and tell your 15 year old self, I don't even know what you were like at 15. But I, imagine I was you were so cool bad. Kid. I was so, so bad. <laughs> I, I was so bad. What would you tell your 15 year old self if you go back and tell him one thing? Um, that you shouldn't be that stressed out about school. I was a bad student, but I think very, very secretly, I was like, fuck, I'm screwing myself over. And then I think that I think I was like kind of like a mature, it's like not really mature, but like I could speak to adults. Maybe that's what I mean. And so I wish I would have learned how to kind of finesse that. Because good interpersonal skills. Interpersonal. Yeah. So, um, and then I think that, I think that like um, sometime around 15 actually is right around when um, you're like an adult ish that has the first couple rounds of um, what I call world pressures. And I think they're all bullshit, actually, all of them. But when you're 15, you know, teachers, older brothers, kids, parents, whether they like you or not, start saying stuff like, when are, are you doing driver's ed? Are you, when are you going to take your test? And it, if you were to write it down, they asked you, are you doing driver's ed when you take your test? But what's actually happening is, it's like, a, it's like a little pressure, like, oh, do you have your shit together, young man? Has your family got your shit together? And then, and so 15, and then it starts with the whole college thing. Have you applied to, have you applied to Brown or Yale? You know, and then have you visited? Right, where are you going next year? And then it goes right into college. Right, day one. Have you picked a major? Right, these are world pressures. No one gives a shit, but it's like it's something you say to kind of like measure the life and progress of someone. Take take dating. Right, you date someone in college. Doesn't matter. You can date them the whole time. The minute you leave college, hey, are you gonna? Are you gonna? Is this the one? Are you gonna get married? The minute you get married. How about kids, right? World pressures, they're all baloney. 
I wish I would have known back then that world pressures were nothing. And that's a tough one. That would be like some Jedi shit. That is great advice. But you're, you're not the only one who said that on this podcast, that they wish they didn't take themselves so seriously with schoolwork at right. 15. It's crazy. Well, fun college. fact. Well, fun fact. I've been thrown out of every school I've ever gone to. <laughs> Seriously, that's a truth. That's in the book, November Project, the book by Rodale Publishing. We're every put school. That in the show notes. So why did How's you going to go thrown out? Um, you just had a chip, so I'll ask. <laughs> I'm really curious to know the best, the best reason you got thrown out of school for. Uh, in ninth grade, I did a stink bomb in the cafeteria. Now, stink bomb for those of you who were you know, in study hall studying and you weren't hanging out with me and Josh Triller and Carlos Weeble. Uh, stink bombs are actually like, I thought I always had this visual of like, like it's going off and you could see the smoke and maybe they make them that way. But the way I know them from the day I got thrown out of school in ninth grade was it's almost like a little vial, like, um, like a cologne sample or a perfume sample. And then you just kind of like toss that shit over your shoulder or, or like on the ground, like in the cafeteria. And when it cracks, it goes off. And then it's kind of hard to find and see. And then it's like, it smells like, like most people that are listening to this podcast, I'm sure, because it's outdoorsy folks. It probably smelled like one to a hundred farts in their life, right? Or more. It smells like maybe 10,000 farts <laughs> at once. But like the worst, right? So 10,000 farts in the cafeteria. And uh, I don't I forget how I got caught. And then... I think that was kind of it for high school. That was kind of like a, a like a chill one. Wow, that's that's and the, and the moral there is just you know believe in yourself. You know, you eventually graduated. I did graduate from high school. That's good. I was a keynote speaker. That's crazy. Or what keynote? No, it was a. You're the valedictorian. <laughs> you weren't listening to the story. There's no way I was the valid. What's that word? Valedictorian? <laughs> Am I saying I've never said it right? I've never said that was confidence. Valedictorian. It's hard to say it. You know what else? Another one's tough is anesthesiologist. Say that. I can't do it. Come on, right come now. on, come on. I just had like three beers. Just try and say it. Anesthesiologist. 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 Both my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law that live in North PB, they are um, anesthesiologists. Is it oh, steezy? Steezy in the middle? I don't know. We'll just make Steezy. it up. So... Advice to people who want to live more wildly. Mm. How about this? Go to REI, get some boots (laughs) and a backpack by the the North Face. For real, if you could could fly like, this is an eco-friendly podcast. Here we go. So if you could fly an eco-friendly plane across the sky and it could have this beautiful banner, reading one message to the world, what's your message to the world? Is it? I married Goldie Koffenberg. That's what it would say. If I could use all my resources to do a banner, a banner that's so pimp. I wouldn't. I wouldn't waste that to like inspire others. I would get husband points. Okay, so what? what okay, no. What would your advice if I get a be? second banner? Yeah, second. Okay, banner. so the second jet, eco-friendly fuel, hemp banner. Hemp <laughs> banner that would read. It would say, "Talk to strangers." That's what it would say. I love that. Talk it would to say, strangers. "Talk to strangers." Why? Why is that so important? Uh, because I think that. What's the Gandhi thing? Be the change that you wish to see in your neighborhood or something. I think that even here where you live, like I can imagine there's probably some people in this complex that you don't know. And if you knew everybody, or maybe, I don't know. Anyway, bad example, bad example. I talk to everyone. Okay, yeah, you're a bad example or you're a good example. The point is, I think that a good change to see, whether it's a small neighborhood like Bird Rock, California, or it's a big neighborhood like Manhattan, New York, 
is people looking up from their phones or taking their headphones out and interacting. And you can do the whole digital like mumbo jumbo or you can do the friendliness thing or you can do the crime thing or you can do any angle you want. I just don't see it being a bad thing. And then some kid gets like a razor blade in his candy and it's a bad thing. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't work out. I just think that in my experience, speaking to strangers always opens up more stories and sometimes doors and definitely adventures. So get to REI and buy some boots. And talk right? to strangers. And talk to strangers. That's a good advice. So last two more questions. Last but not least. Are there any books you give to people? Do you read? I know how to read. I know you, I know you know how, but I, oh yeah. what what gifts do you give to people? Not even books. Like today you gifted me an awesome gift. It's like a a little toy surf soldier. Yep. Which is totally epic because I actually have a toy surfer from a Baskin Robbins cake. Right. I just love. But the the humor in this one is that it's shaped and molded like a plastic uh, toy soldier. Yes. Um, I think the book The Alchemist is good. As far as like, well, first of all, it's a short read. Super short read. So like I'll rip through that and then and I'll brag about it. Easy to read. Love it. Easy to read. But there's like some deep messages in there. It's great. Um, uh, let's see. There's one year for Christmas where I bought like 12 copies of a Brother Ali album. Do you know Brother Ali? He's a hip hop artist in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he raps for a record label called Rhyme Sayers. And um, the album was called something. It was called uh, The Undisputed Truth. And I thought it was a really good message. He is a albino Muslim who has a lot to say about politics and the way women are treated and the way people really grow up in the hood and the way religion affects who we all can be and are. And, and he's like a spiritual cat, but he's like, kind of a gangster, but not really like uh, on the side of like drugs and guns and violence. But the way he speaks is prolific. And I think that I gave that album and I probably will continue to buy it. Um, like an old dude, right? I'm gonna be the guy buying CDs. I got you a CD. Um, it, it opens up people's minds of what hip hop music is, which I'm a big fan of hip hop music, but also it makes you question the way we read people. Cause if you were to see brother Ali walking on the street, you'd be like, what the fuck? What is that guy? Right. And, the fact that he has so many layers, I think, is a cool lesson. And his music's great. So, The Undisputed Truth by Brother Ali. Should be the new podcast intro, right? Favorite album? Or no, I guess a gift, yeah. Hey, here's a question. I'm going to give it to you, and then you can give it back to me. Favorite, uh, first concert. What was your first concert? Do you remember? Credence Clearwater Revival oh. at the fair, and then, the, and then Pearl Jam. Same night? No. A little bit after. Okay. Mine was James Taylor. Oh, that's great. And then the very next weekend we saw the five blind boys from Alabama, <laughs> which are which are literally five old blind men that are walked out on stage by their like seeing guide. And that's the wrong terminology, but you get it. And then these brilliant dudes, they pick up their bass or whatever, they're handed their kind of whatever, their trumpet or something. And then they just go off for like two hours and then they're walked back off stage. They're now, awesome. they're no longer called the Five Blind Boys because they're super old. Some of them have died. Now they're just like the, I think they're just the blind. Anyway, check them out. We'll definitely check them out. You just ate a chip, but I was going to ask you one last question. So the last question is where can people find out more? Mm. Novemberproject.com. I know you have to buy a copy of the book. No. Buy a copy of the book. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, I think the best way to start 
the best gateway drug to what this is, is our main Instagram handle. It's just November Project straight through, no underscores. And um, you, when you search it, you'll notice that a ton come up. So November Project, Baltimore, Milwaukee, New York, whatever. The main one kind of takes content from all of them. Uh, and it's the one that Boyne and I still operate. And it's um, it's got a pretty good following. But I think more important than that is the fact that it uh, it tells a, a, a pretty broad story of what this is. And it doesn't just celebrate the dude with good abs and the girl with the really hot sports bra. It celebrates people trying. It celebrates the sunrise and all the epic shit that surfers love. But it's also urban. And it's also a training story and uh, togetherness and all those like fuzzy warm feelings too well thank you so much for how do we do with us. how do we do rushed it i hope that the sd card is in here oh yeah what if we do it audience i'm so appreciative of you for putting up with us thank you for listening best if podcast you, ever if you get a chance to go to a november project go there's one in almost every never city seen, now in the, in the world if you're in san diego i'll wake up and go with you not on Wednesdays, but I'll come on Mondays because Wednesdays are when the podcast goes live and I have to sort of babysit it. But you know what? It's starting to run smoothly. So check out Brogan Graham on Instagram. Check out November Project. Buy the book. We'll have links in the show notes. Thank you, Thank Brogan. you. Thank you for having me. You rock. You have great guacamole. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If we got a little cheeky, I apologize, but I really hope you enjoyed it. Brogan Graham. Follow him on Instagram, on Facebook. You can also check out The November Project on Instagram, Facebook, or go to thenovemberproject.com. Just show up to a workout. I guarantee you're going to have such a good time. Thank you to Brogan for coming on. Brogan, you rocked. You even surfed well. I was so impressed. A kid from Wisconsin who lived in Boston, he surfs. It was awesome. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks for subscribing. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd leave reviews on iTunes. You can also just write me. I'm pretty easy to reach. Go to wildideasworthliving.com. You can contact me there. You can also go to wildideasworthliving on Instagram. We Instagrammed this live because Brogan hijacked the phone. So thank you, Brogan, and all of you who listened on the Instagram. I appreciate it. And wherever you are in the world, don't forget, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. We've got some great shows coming out. We'll see you next week. Bye.